This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Furminger. If there's one thing we know how to do in Vancouver, it's make TV movies, a.k.a. Movies of the Week, a.k.a. M.O.W.s. Whether we're talking festive rom-coms, thrillers, or pulled-from-the-headlines dramas, Vancouver's film and television industry makes dozens of these films each year for companies like Hallmark, Lifetime, and Netflix. And people love them. This holiday season, Tens of millions of viewers all over the world will carve out time in their hectic lives for these TV movies. Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you play the Hallmark Christmas movie drinking game. And maybe you've watched so many of these TV movies that you've noticed a structure to them. Maybe you can predict what's going to happen to the career-oriented 30-something from the big city who returns back to her small-town roots to sell the family farm or the woman in the Lifetime movie whose new husband seems like a bouquet of red flags in a designer suit. Maybe you've watched so many of these TV movies that you have an idea for one of your own. And maybe, just maybe, this idea could actually fly. Well, I am delighted to let you know about a new book that will give you the tools to turn that maybe into a marketable screenplay. The book is Writing a TV Movie, An Insider's Guide to Launching a Screenwriting Career. It's the fascinating and highly readable tome from screenwriter and author Rosalind Muir. We learn about the needs and interests of Netflix, Lifetime, and Hallmark, and the ways in which these broadcasters work with production companies. We learn about the different genres, about the nine-act structures of TV movies, and how to write one, the difference between a log line and a pitch document, how and when to contact a production company or an entertainment lawyer. This is a comprehensive how-to book for an array of readers, from people who want to sell their scripts, to people who want to understand how the MOW side of the industry works, to fans who are curious about how their beloved TV movies come together. Writing a TV Movie, An Insider's Guide to Launching a Screenwriting Career is published by Three Ocean Press and hits retailers on December 1st, just in time for the holiday MOW season. P.S. You can visit the YVR Screen Scene Instagram and Twitter feeds to learn how you can enter to win a signed copy of Rosalind's book. But before that, let's go deep with Rosalind into the inner workings of the busy world of television movies. Rosalind Muir, welcome to the YVR Screen Scene podcast. Thank you, Sabrina. Uh, You make this sound so interesting. (laughs) It's so fascinating as somebody who, well, one, 
watches TV movies, mm. and two, knows a lot of people who work in the TV movie sphere and have made a lot of Christmas movies in the middle of July. So let's begin by talking about your background with television movies. What is that exactly? Um, well, I came about it accidentally. Um, I had um, a mentor. I was really into, like back in the day, into uh, feature film writing, and, and I was sort of uh, had the blinders on and, and didn't really want to write anything else. And I had a mentor, uh, Peggy Thompson, who wrote Better Than Chocolate. Peggy Thompson. And she kept saying to me, Rosalind, you need to write a TV movie. And so three times, I think it was, she told me. So call to action. And um, I finally decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to give it a try. And, um, and I did. And I actually entered a contest. Um, it was a company here in Vancouver who, who ran a contest. They were looking for TV movie writers because there were so few. This is going back like about 10, over 10 years now. Mm. And um, I won the contest. And part of the contest was that they sent me to L.A. Uh, to attend the American Film Market and to actually pitch the project um, to a producer down there. Whoa. So, uh, so I did go, weirdly. <laughs> it was like one of those kind of like comedy of errors. So about two weeks before I was supposed to go, I, I had an appendicitis. I had my appendix out. And I decided, I'm, you know, because when you're in the film industry, you're just like a trooper. Okay, I'm, I'm going. I'm still going. Uh-huh. So I did. And I was fine, but it was just, I was, you know, delicate. And then when I got there, when I went to meet the producer at this, this bar that everybody goes to, um, I sat down and I pitched the project and he was like, wow, yeah, this is great. This is really interesting. And I left the meeting. I was like, wow, he, he loved it, you know. And then I get a, a text and it's from the producer. Where are you? I can't find you in the bar. What? <laughs> so I had, I had had a meeting with somebody who kind of looked like the producer that I thought it was. He had the same name. Yeah. Like first name. And he had he just thought I was just some random person uh, there to pitch him. Oh, <laughs> that sounds like the meet cute in a rom com. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, yeah, so so my life is kind of full of those kind of weird moments where I you know I trip and fall, but I get back up and and pull myself together. So um, I did tell him what happened, and we had a good laugh about it. <laughs> so as far as TV movies go, then, you have you have a couple of them. You've written a few at this point? Yeah, yeah. I've written several, uh, seven, and that have been produced, and many more that, that haven't been. Um, as a writer, especially of TV movies, you have to continually be coming up with new ideas and pitches, log lines, synopsis, so that you know, you're know you always out there. It's like a job interview every day. You have to go in and, and pitch to producers and try to get them to like your idea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was fortunate that I had um, quite a few made here in Vancouver, and um, it was a huge learning curve for me because I it was a different way of writing, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're if you're a new writer and you're writing a feature film, you're often at home alone writing and, and you're you're in that zone and, and it takes a long time to, to write those kinds of scripts. With the T V movie, there's a much quicker turnaround and now like um, companies are, are shooting like twelve or twenty a year. Yeah. And um, they they take 
12 days to shoot and it's kind of assembly line and because it's entertainment you know they're they're entertainment people love these movies and um, so so it's it's just been a great boon I think for the Canadian industry why do you think TV movies are so hot right now (laughs) to use the parlance of well people from like 10 years ago but like why because people love them and you know I mean that was one of the things that you some of the first projects to get started you know after the pandemic shutdown were tv movies right like because you know they're like we gotta we gotta make sure people got their tv movies so what do you think it is about tv movies that make them so beloved well they're in huge demand and i think the u.s is probably the biggest market because that's um home of the channels of hallmark and lifetime And Hallmark has been doing this for years, creating these rom-coms and feel-good movies. And it's part of their brand, right? Mm. The Hallmark, think of the Hallmark card and the the feelings that they want to evoke in the reader. Well, it's the same thing with the viewer, that they want people to uh, watch their movies and, and, and feel something great and kind of put everything aside, put aside their busy lives and their stresses and watch something that's heartfelt, romantic, and fun. Yeah. And the good thing about the the rom-coms, anyway, <laughs> is that because of the seasonal, the Christmas, that's a way for families to sit and watch a movie. So mm. you've got, you know, moms and their, their teenagers, their teenage daughters, their grandmas, their aunts. It's a hugely female audience. Uh, but guys watch them, too, of course. Um, so, so it's a really accessible family event. And um, and they're a lot of fun too. Yeah. Okay. So we're, that's about the audience. What about for the screenwriter? Like, why write a TV movie? Oh, you're reaching for the book. <laughs> Look at that. Flip to page five. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I address that in my book for sure. And if you don't mind, I'll just read a little excerpt Please instead do. of winging it. So why write TV movies? Most of us screenwriters are working on our award speeches. So why write TV movies if you really want to write film and series TV? Well, writing a TV movie is a good way to get established as a screenwriter. And you getting that elusive first long-form credit can propel your screenwriting career into the professional realm. And producers are always looking for content. And in a relatively short time frame, you can get a professional writing credit. The development and production time of a TV movie is much quicker than a TV series or a feature film. And so while it's not really easy to get a TV movie made, it's most definitely easier than completing a feature film or a TV series. And the key thing is that producers and networks are more willing to take a chance on a new screenwriter in this genre. So if you become a screenwriter with one or two produced TV movies, Um, you can move on to other things. So you're now established and getting that credit is super important to to a screenwriter. So that's why I say to write them is, um, if you can get that one long form credit, it'll propel you into another job or you might just really love writing these movies and because there's so many career screenwriters who only write TV movies because they love them. Yeah. And I think um, writers, like I write thrillers, I have I have written a couple of rom-com Christmas movies, um, and they're fun too. But I, my heart is is in crime drama, and because that bleeds over into other work I do in in um, in TV series, and uh, so it's just finding your niche, like what 
what type of um, writing do you do? So if you're a dramatic writer, you may want to write thrillers. Mm. If you're a comedic writer, you could do the, the, the rom-com. But um, another thing, too, about writing TV movies is access. In Vancouver, and particularly in, in Canada as well, because producers... Um, are always looking for fresh new ideas. They're open to new screenwriters, mm. like reaching out to them, pitching ideas, and there are fewer walls up against that. You don't have to have an agent. Mm. You just need to have a strong idea. Wow. I have so many questions, <laughs> which I know you answer the bulk of them in the book. But uh, before we go on, I just want to make sure um, that because I know your book you go in depth into like the basically the three genres of TV movies can you tell my listeners what those three genres are yeah so the most popular there are many genres but the most popular is the rom-com and in that subgenre of that is the Christmas rom-com and the Valentine's rom-com. And of course there's a, another sort of uh, slew of genres. There's the royal rom-com mm -hmm. where you have your protagonist is a princess or doesn't know she's a princess. Those are hugely popular. Um, there are things that take place in spring, spring fling. Uh, there are summer rom-coms. So, so it goes on the setting. And then there's the harvest rom-com where it takes place in the fall and things are, you know, the grapes are, are on the vine and the apples are getting picked. So setting up the location and the time um, really helps to, to solidify the story. Yeah. Uh, the other area is thrillers. And even within that, there are a lot of subgenres as well. Um, the interesting thing about the thrillers is that while the the, the rom-coms tend to have um, mostly a f you know an adult female protagonist, the thrillers often have they can have teenage protagonists, an adult female protagonist, or even a college student. And in whether it's Hallmark or Lifetime, it's always a female protagonist. Mm -hmm. And the thriller is called a woman in peril uh, genre. And so essentially, you're putting your protagonist into some sort of peril. So whether it's uh, there's a murder or there's some sort of kidnapping or she's got a stalker, it's always something where she's in danger and nobody believes her. And she has to find the strength within herself to fight back and to win over the antagonist. So, so those are the two really top, top. Um, um, you also have, like on Hallmark, you also have uh, romance dramas. So those are a little more serious kind of romances. They're not so funny, but you know, they're, they're a little bit more of a, of a drama. Um, and then back in the thriller realm, you also have the ripped from the headlines stories. Mm. And those are really popular and have been for many years. I'm sure you've you've heard of a lot of stories that uh, if just take, for example, the Lorena Bobbitt story, which has been done many times yeah. and has been done in many sensational ways. Um, but recently, um, Lifetime did uh, I Was Lorena Bobbitt and they had the now much older Lorena Bobbitt narrating yeah. her story. So the great thing about Lifetime is they're now bringing in um, 
the the people that these stories are about and letting them speak their truth as opposed to let's do it as sensational as we can yeah so that's a lot of a lot of fun too for a writer is if you're really into um, you know, doing research and, and looking at historical figures, uh, you know, recent history and local stories that you can spin that into an interesting story that, that people will want to watch. Yeah. Okay, so what do emerging screenwriters get wrong about writing or pitching television movies? Um, I think the key thing that they get wrong about um writing these movies is they look a lot easier uh, than you think. Hmm. Um, a feature film has uh, a three-act structure. TV series they have, depending on whether it's comedy or drama, um, you know, they can have four to six acts. And a TV movie has nine acts. Hmm. And um, those acts are built around TV commercials. So Hallmark and Lifetime both have uh, income from TV commercials as well as subscription. So, um, so the not only is each act built around the TV commercial, um, there's something at the at the end of each act called the cliffhanger. So you really are building the audience interest. And so I think most people tend to submit a feature film script thinking that oh it's close mm -hmm. enough but but producers are really looking to see that you know what that nine act structure is yeah uh, because it is very specific and um, especially in in a rom-com you know things have to happen by certain time you know in yeah. the act one you have to have the meet cute by the time you get to Act Four, which is halfway through the story, she needs to really be falling for that that uh, um, antagonist love love interest. So there's a lot of little details that I go over in the book that really focus in on like I've done the homework about like what you need to do and um, but even even so, I think you you still need to watch these movies. Like, I don't think you can just go, oh, I can write that, it's a rom-com. Yeah. You have to study them and really get a flavor for the tone because um, Lifetime also does Christmas movies. They put aside all their thrillers in, in December and they, they show these uh, rom-coms as well. So if you have never watched the Christmas rom-coms, you know, it's, it's really um, uh, something you should just yeah. to get that happy happy tone and yeah mm. do you think it's important to be a fan of these movies in order to write them no not necessarily no um i think if you are if you are writing if you're a screenwriter and you probably most people want to write features or dramatic tv series or comedy tv series and they just have not, because film schools don't necessarily always go over the movie of the week mm. um, because it's entertainment. And the others, like film and TV, they're thought of more as, you know, higher art. Um, so people tend to uh, know those two genres pretty well. Um, so I think that they really do need to study them and appreciate them, appreciate the fact that these are kind of a bread and butter you know type of a genre that you can do um, because you can turn them over quite quickly you can get paid well you can you can if you get good at it you know you could be writing one every month <laughs> yeah yeah I mean 
you could actually spend the entire month of December watching multiple Christmas movies, new Christmas movies a day, and not repeating. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing is they have so many new movies every year. Yeah. And um, they're always looking for new ideas, right? Yeah. So you can put a a new spin on an old idea for sure. Yeah. Speaking of ideas, like how do you know if you have – a banger of an idea for a television movie like what should when people are thinking about their ideas like are there certain things that that they should be like okay this is this is the thing the spark that needs to be present and if it's not there then not even bother like I'm just wondering about how you can gauge if it's a good idea or not well, if we could all gauge that, we would be doing really well. I think that's <laughs> one of the most difficult because yeah. you can't you can't like not let your taste get in into the mix, right? Um, I think if you're if you are pitching, if you are trying to come up with ideas, is you can go on IMDb and look up some of your favorite titles and check out the log lines and yeah. see exactly what is it that that really jumps out and sounds like it's interesting. Um, your log line is basically your your verbal pitch. It's it's one or two sentences that uh, conveys what your whole story's about. Um, and it'll always focus on who your protagonist is and what their journey. So if it's a rom-com, you know, often um, it's um, the protagonist is, is leaving New York City to go back to the farm uh, because, you know, somebody has left her this strange old farm and she's just going to go and sell it and then get back to her busy life in New York City. But then when she gets there... Uh, she suddenly discovers this whole new world. And so your protagonist always has to have something within them that that needs to change. Mm. So they become a bit, you know, too big city or they've rejected love because they're too busy, but they don't, or they think they don't deserve love. And then this whole journey is about them finding love, but also um, allowing themselves to change in order to, to really be ready for it. Mm. Um, in the past, there have been a lot of movies where this big city girl has has like just dropped her whole fabulous New York life and, and stayed yeah. on the farm. Uh, but now things are really changing with the networks and they're like, no, you take that farm boy back to New York with you. Um, you know, like things are getting realistic, like... Uh, they are also allowing older women to be protagonists. So they're mm. appreciating that their audience is getting older, so they now have protagonists in their you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, because those stories are so interesting too. Yeah. And you're never, it's never too late to find love. Um, and also diversity. So that's become a really big thing, and they want to see new cultures and, and um, different diversity in the stories now. So don't be afraid to like not include who you are uh, mm. in the story. I think it's really important. Yeah, and uh, last week we actually had the cast of a Lifetime Christmas movie called Baking Spirits Bright. Uh, Rekha Sharma, Dion Johnstone, Pranita Kila, Dil Dosani, uh, and it is the first Christmas movie about that centers on an Indian American family you know so uh, I think by the time this episode comes out that episode will have dropped so it's really exciting to see more diversity there are there any I mean 
there are tropes, you know. I mean, we talk like even in the book, you write that there are, you know, that uh, if you're doing a Christmas movie, there's got to be Christmas activities, you know, that people have got to be engaging in. But you know, like like the the skating or the the decorating together or the drinking cocoa. And are there any any quote unquote tropes though that writers should avoid touching at this point with a ten foot ball? Um. Well, I, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I guess it's mostly you don't want to go too negative or, or too, like if somebody's got a backstory where they're divorced, then that's fine. Like mm-hmm. with rom-coms, it used to be you could never have um, a single parent or somebody who was divorced be a protagonist and all that's wow. changed, but that's really yeah. recent. That's only like a few years. Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't have, so if you did have a, say, a divorced protagonist, you wouldn't have her, like, diss her ex or, like, oh, yeah, you know, he's, like, my scary stalker ex. Like, nothing like that. It would just be part of her backstory but not really, you know, part of the story. Yeah. So so that sort of reality they don't really want. However, if you're in a thriller, <laughs> mm-hmm. then your scary ex is great. Like you can use all that in, in the thriller <laughs> realm for sure. And one of the big tropes in, in thrillers is the stalker. Yeah. And um, I've written a, a couple that have stalkers in them. And I always think, oh, well, I can't write another stalker movie. But then, you know, a friend uh, recently emailed and said, have you got any stalker movies? I, I know somebody who's looking for like a completed stalker script. What have you got? Huh. And so I was kind of like, oh, OK, you know, they're still looking for for that. But they're looking for a different a different take on it. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> I love these peeks behind the curtain. This is why I do what I do. Why did you decide to write this book? What was it like? What was the moment? Was there an aha moment? Well, um, yeah, I think over the years, you know, one of the thing, things that screenwriters do is they often teach screenwriting mm. uh, because you you're not always working. And um, I actually started my my career, I guess, years ago. I was a high school teacher, and I um, used to teach drama and English. And then once I sort of became more of a writer and really wanted to get into that, I, I kind of put it aside. But I, I still enjoyed teaching, so I, I started to teach screenwriting. Hmm. And um, I found that at film schools where I've taught that they don't teach MOWs at all. Like, they might mention it, like, just in passing. Oh, yeah, you could also write this. That's bonkers, considering what a huge part, especially of our local industry up yeah. here, you know, that, that, that MOWs mm-hmm. are. Amazing. So I started to sort of sneak it into into the curriculum just as, you know, because I, I had that knowledge. Mm. And then I would have people who would, you know, contact me and go, I, I can't I don't understand how to write this. Like what's the secret? And so it's I started to have like, you know, like pages and pages of information and I would send it out to, to ex students and writers and, and chat with people about it and um and a few times uh I would just, I've run my own classes of writing MOWs and Mm -hmm. I've recently started that again. And I've had like so many students just coming out of the woodwork want to take my course because they just don't, 
there's just nothing. Like if you Google, you know, how to write a movie of the week, you might find like one or two things on the internet. Like it's really, there's so little out there. And so I don't know what my aha moment really was. I think it was just like, I need to write more of this stuff down. Like there's just so much for people to know. And um, I was originally just going to make it like kind of a handout for for a class, mm-hmm. and and then it just grew and grew. And I realized that oh yeah, they need to know that too. Oh, and what about how to pitch these to producers? Like so so I eventually you know started to think that it could be a book. And again, there's very few like there's lots of screenwriting books out there and um, very few that you'll find any information on writing TV movies. And because we're so immersed in, in it here in Vancouver, like every time I look on, you know, my Facebook or Instagram, somebody's like, I was in a movie, I was in a TV movie, I directed a TV movie. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm just like really immersed in it. And I think, well, there's, there's, we're not the only city that this is happening in. I know in, in Ontario, there's a big, um, oh, yeah. you know, production of TV movies and, and Quebec as well, and um, you know, various states in the U.S. are are uh, are big in production as well. So, so this book is really it's for a North American audience, but I have had some some U.K. people reach out to me as well. Uh, so, so I'm kind of thrilled that that it's going to be useful because that's really what I want. Is I want I want writers like I I mentor a lot of writers and I, I help people as much as I can. I read scripts and give them tips and all that sort of thing, and I want people to succeed. So mm. I'm you know I part of it is really that everybody deserves to sell a script if you're a writer. I want people to have jobs. <laughs> yeah, and when you do, if you read the book and you sell a script, you. I'm assuming you want to hear from those people, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I have had, um, there were some courses I did uh, probably about seven or eight years back. And I did have two students who went on and and, uh, had movies made. Yeah. So so that was really thrilling to me for sure. Um, The other thing that's in the book I just want to plug is that I I interviewed some screenwriters who, who their career is writing MOWs. And um, so there's there's a whole appendix with with these interviews and all these tips uh, from these great writers. And so I'll just if I can just list their names, because I'm so thankful that they um, they came on board. Uh, Melissa Casera, Carly Smale, Craig Wenman, Keith Shaw and the writing team of Kelly Peters and Amy Taylor. And I'll be doing a little bits of profile of them on my Instagram in the next coming weeks. Um, but they offered some great advice and I learned a thing or two for sure. So I was going to ask then, you know, the experience of interviewing them, what were some things that you learned? Oh boy. Um, well, one of the the things um, that uh, Melissa Casera she has this um, trilogy, and it's called the Obsession Trilogy. So where she she wrote one thriller, and then it it evolved into her writing more scripts with the characters. Yeah. So I was I was really intrigued by that because I had never thought about doing that, like finding a way to to give the one concept some legs that that it would actually have spin-off MOWs. So I think that's that's really cool. Mm. Um, writer uh, Craig Wenman, he's a Vancouver writer and super successful. You need to look up this guy on IMDb. Oh yeah. Very impressed. Uh, anyway, he um, 
he got his start on inktip.com. And that's a site where you pay to put up your log lines and synopses and scripts. And um, producers, like vetted producers, are allowed to search for ideas. And he sold, I think it was like 27 scripts. What? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. He's had like 64, I mean, it's probably like 80 now, but he's had 64 sales uh, scripts sold. And um, so he's just phenomenal, and it's all MOWs. So he's really somebody to learn from, and he's got lots of great tips. And... Um, yeah, and if people want more, they're going to have to buy the book. Uh, <laughs> before we wrap it up and you give us your, your socials and you tell people how they can go and buy the book, what do you think the future holds for television movies? I think they're here to stay. I really do. When you look at channels like Hallmark who are having like 3 million viewers when a, you know on one show, yeah. um, and I think it's... 50 million over December. Yeah. These are big <laughs> numbers and and we're in the golden age of television. So so everybody's watching TV and it's um and it's a niche. It's definitely a niche um in terms of it's it's entertainment, it's viewing for women and families and um I mean even Netflix has we haven't really talked about them, but they have T V movies as well. Yeah. And often they're um, you know, hyped as their Netflix original, but they have the same structure. Yeah. If you watch uh Craig's movie Secret Obsession on Netflix, it was like the highest uh watched movie ever on, on Netflix. Mm. And he uses the nine act structure. And um, they don't have TV commercials, but it's still in there. Yeah. And it just, um, it just is really sort of a th thrilling structure because it just, especially in the thriller genre, because you just keep getting like, you know, more and more intrigue and intrigue as you go along to the or, thrilling or conclusion. more stressed out, more stressed out, <laughs> yeah, more yeah. stressed out. There go my nails. Right. <laughs> Bitten them all down. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's still room for 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 these movies for sure. Yeah. They're yeah. they're really getting more and more popular. I mean, Hallmark is now screening they used to just have december was when they had their movies now it's like october even before halloween they've got their christmas movies out yeah i was recently told actually it was during that um baking spirits bright uh interview about the 60 days of christmas like people are <laughs> celebrating the christmas for 60 days and maybe maybe they don't put up their tree or sing carols or whatever until later but they will start watching christmas movies maybe that is how they will kick they will try to get that holiday feeling mm -hmm. um and yeah i hope they are here to stay and i hope you write a lot more okay so rosin Muir, tell us where people can get their hands on writing a tv movie and insider's guide to launching a screenwriting career uh, well, we're launching on December 1st, and so it should be in a local bookstore. And uh, it's also available on Amazon. And if you're in Vancouver, it will be available on Biz Books. Yay! Um, I'm also going to have a limited offer on my website, rosalindmuir.com, if you want a signed copy. And um, yeah, we'll be having a virtual launch event coming up. So if you go to my socials, I have an author page on Facebook. It's just Rosalind Muir author, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, Instagram, I'm at Rosmuir, R-O-S-M-U-I-R. 
And I'll be, uh, the next couple of weeks, I'll be just um, trickling out information about everything. Yeah, and we will have links to everything you've mentioned in the footnotes for this episode. Uh, And we are also going to have a uh, contest on our social media, uh, both Twitter and Instagram. Check that out for information about how you can enter to win a copy of the book yourself. I realize I missed out on a very important question because you are a cat owner. (laughs) <laughs> or you are owned by a cat. I'm owned what by a cat. What kind of, which I, because I, I mean, I do follow you on social media. Um, what challenges do you face as a writer, as a, somebody who is owned by cats? Like, is <laughs> your cat get involved in the writing of this book at all? Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. My cat is very important. My cat is called Ripley, Ripley. and he's a Devon Rex. Uh, he actually has his own Instagram, Ripley the Rex. I didn't know that. Yeah, where I post all kinds of great pictures of him. Um, yeah, he can be a little bit of a, a pest. He, if um, mm, I, I got often one of those. Move, got two of those. I move around, you know, different places in my my apartment where I'm writing. So sometimes I'll be standing, and as soon as I'm standing and writing, he takes the opportunity to jump on my back. <laughs> And uh, so I often have to lock him away to be able to do that. <laughs> You're living in your own thriller, M-O-W, I with am, your cat. Yeah, I'm looking around. Where is he? Uh, intrigue, yeah. intrigue, intrigue, intrigue. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had to ask about the cat. And it's such a, such a cool-looking cat, though, Thanks. Yeah. as well. Okay, I got my cat love in at this. <laughs> I will thank Rosalind Muir for being here. I will thank you listeners for listening. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners and we can keep having these conversations. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenscene. And that is where you are going to find details about entering our signed book copy giveaway. The YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Rani Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger, Devlet for the original music. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And... Cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com. <laughs>